All right, you might be a part of Kaleo. If your potluck meals have all morphed into dairy, gluten-free, meat-free dishes. <laughs> Does anybody have one way? You might be a part of Kaleo if the movie Moana has strange theological significance for you. <laughs> What, what? <laughs> I heard somebody say they don't get it. Oh. Go C. You might be a part of Kaleo if when listing common church phrases you include marinate on that. You might be a part of Kaleo if you personally witnessed the feeding of the 75 miracle. <laughs> so true. That was only four weeks ago, everyone. It was a miracle. You might be a part of Kaleo if one of your pastors cooks for you every Sunday. <laughs>
be a part of Kaleo if you have recently added jabroni to your normal vocabulary. <laughs> If you know all the headlines from the Babylon Bee. <laughs> you might be part of Kaleo. Yeah. Your family is seriously concerned. You may have joined a cult. <laughs> So, um, for many of us, 
that have been around for a long time. We know some of the stories of Kaleo, um, but it never is a bad practice to hear them again. And for many of us that are new to Kaleo, we don't know the stories of Kaleo, so they're important to hear and to tell. And for all of us, we have a uh, Kaleo story, if you will, what it is that brought you to this community um, what made you choose to take a shift from maybe what was before this normal to you or what you had previously known. And so tonight we have um, two different families that are going to tell you their Kaleo story. Um, just the story of what brought them here to this community, what about this community was significant to them. Um, and up first is Ryan and Deirdre Arnett. Hello. Well, we used to live here, so that's what. That is. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah, when. I was at Tribeca. Uh, I actually went to Nashville First Church, which some of you guys may know, and was real close to the college pastor. Um, and uh, as when we got married, um, we kind of thought as a couple, you know, what did we want our church experience to look like and how that would, um, our lives would play into that. Um, and we were uncomfortable with the idea of passing churches on the way to church. Um, and so we kind of started to think more seriously about what was close to home and uh, how we might better serve our neighborhood, you know, through the church that we went to. And so we started going to Trebekah Community Church because it was closer. Um, and then uh, and then we met Caleb and, neighbor, Caleb and, neighborhood. <laughs> Caleb and Emily who lived in our neighborhood. Um, and uh, they started talking about Kaleo and how, um, you know, uh, that it was going to be a, a missional church. Uh, that was going to be less focused on uh, building and more focused on people and as neighbors, you know, the people that were involved were neighbors and so um, that, uh, that idea of being neighborhood centric and uh, actually the church being the people that we already lived close to uh, just fit where we, where we were. Um, I think, yeah, I'll just kind of reiterate or go back and mention. Um, so, like Ryan said, he was really involved with First Church um, when he was in college. And had I been around for his college experience and also went to First Church, that may have worked for us. But I moved here when I married Ryan, and so we were very much looking for um, some place that we could get involved with together, that we were more equals, that I maybe didn't feel like I was in his shadow because he already had a reputation and a lot of relationships at First Church, but I had none. Um, so, you know, TCC was, like you said, was kind of that start, and that was a little closer. Um, but we had already, we, we were kind of feeling like this is okay, but it's not quite right. You know, like we feel like we're making a move in the right direction, but it, we're still feeling things that we want to, like maybe different ways that we want to act or conduct our lives, and we would like the support and the community that a church can offer. 
Um, and so, in fact, when Caleb and Emily, they had us over for dinner one night and told us what they were thinking and um, chatted about the church they wanted to start, we didn't even talk to each other before we said yes. We just both said, yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I think Hilarious has been a place for us where our um, kind of vision and understanding of community has been shaped and changed um, what it means to uh, live in right relationship with the earth and with your neighbor has been deeply formed. Um, even just simple, mundane things I count now as sacred and holy experiences. Um, and I try to remember that as I'm, you know, changing somebody else's child's diaper or picking up trash in the garden or pulling weeds or listening to one of Ron's stories again. You know, like all of these all of these interactions are um, ways that we can be the hand of God in someone's life. So that's kind of our story with Like, hey, yeah, we, you know, there's the garden right there. Like, how hard is that to say? 
we'll just be in the garden in your neighborhood when we're inviting people to this event, um, to all the events. So I just love that. I was really inspired by that um, when we, um, when I first started coming, and then not so long after that, we got married in 2014. And I remember when 2013 or so or something. Yeah, 2013. I was shopping for a house, and I was uh, talking to my realtor, and my realtor's kind of like, ah, you can go, you can, you know, any neighborhood, they're all kind of the same, you'll learn to love it, and I, I was like, I got to live in this neighborhood, you know, and, and it has been so wonderful, um, being close to everyone, and just going for a walk around, um, just yesterday, walking around, and bumping into Ryan and Deirdre, and Kevin and Chelsea, um, all the time, so it's just been an amazing community to be a part of. Um, that sees the call to love on neighbors and um, to live faithfully and be called to more than just a, a normal life, a routine life. Um, so it's it's been really a rewarding community and group to be engaged with, and we've really loved it. What do you think? Yeah, um, I think similar, not to dog on First Church, but similarly, you know, we got married, and I grew up there my whole life, and it was kind of like Kayla and Kayla's boyfriend or fiance, so I think we were looking to develop as a couple in a a new place and a new church, and um, I think just to add to what Josh said, one thing that I really appreciate about everyone here is, um, like, Kaleo has always felt very um, intimate, and uh, that feels vulnerable. I feel like, like I can't. My three, gotta mention the Enneagram ones. <laughs> can't like hide with you guys, you know. Uh, for church, I could go and like, hey, hey, and leave. And um, so I, I just have always appreciated the intimacy that Kaleo offers, and um, and the the messiness too. Um, sometimes it's messy, and that's really good and beautiful, and I like that a lot. And then we, I remember, I think we were on our way to church one day, and our, the house we live in now, had like an open house sign, and we're like, oh, let's pop in and see what happens, and that's where we bought the house, so I wonder about it, but love you guys. Thank you. Thanks, you guys. Those stories are so good. I I feel like that there's stories um, that you guys have that I've heard more than once, but every time I hear them, there's something new that that sticks out to me in them, and they're they're just good. It's important to it's important to be storytellers. So thanks for doing that. Um, I know it looks like I'm up here a lot. This is my last thing, I promise. <laughs> but I'm going to talk just for a minute about embodiment um, because this is a word that maybe you guys have heard being said a lot more lately as we begin to question what does it look like for the church to be fully embodied and what does embodiment you know, really even mean. Um, we know that the church itself is the embodiment of Christ. And every week we gather together and we receive communion and we remember that we are the body of Christ and that individually we are members of one another, which we say, but it's really, really radical if you stop and you think about that. And when we have the opportunity to 
get outside of the neighborhood and maybe we go to another place and we get to gather with even more of the church, then we break bread there also. And there we remember that these people in this other place, that they also are part of our body. And in a culture today that indoctrinates us to other someone who is not just exactly like you, the church serves this critical role of presenting something different. And not just to say that all are welcome or that anyone is allowed, but to say that we actually become part of one another. And so what does it look like to be a fully embodied church? This is a question we're asking. This is a thing that we're wondering over. And I think, um, I think the best way to talk about it is kind of in a similar way that we talk about the kingdom of heaven, which when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, um, like Emily did this morning, she used this analogy of a train, that when a train enters the station, we say, oh, the train has arrived. But because trains are really, really long and they take forever to arrive, we say, well, you know, it's still arriving, but it hasn't fully arrived yet. And so we live in that tension of something that's that's here, but it's also still coming, but it's also not here yet. And when we talk about the church fully embodied, it's kind of a similar thing. It's like the full embodiment of the church would be to have every person, past and present, every person of God in one moment, in one gathering. And it would be this beautiful picture of all the diversity of culture and experience and language all in one place. And we would see this full embodiment of Christ. But we can't really see that all in one moment. It's kind of like if you were to visit a really big city. And you can just imagine the, the biggest city that your mind can venture to. And you would go to this city and you would try your best to meet every person and hear their story and to go to every restaurant and to walk down every alley and see every landmark. But even if you visited this city regularly, you could never really see the fullness of the city. You could see glimpses and, and taste it, but it would be only limited by your experience. And when we think about the church fully embodied, it's kind of like that. We get to see glimpses of it. We may gather with um, our neighborhood here, and that's a glimpse of the full embodied church. We may get to go to M19 and gather with thousands more people, and that's a glimpse. It's all these different ways that we see the church fully embodied, but we couldn't possibly fully embody the church. But like the kingdom of heaven, right, we still lean into that. And so what we do is we take a look at who is here right now in this moment. Who is it that's present in, in the present body? And then we wonder over what it would look like if every person gathered here was as important as every other, that was valued as every other. And what would that look like? What would it look like if every person gathered in this space could speak and could hear in their heart language, not because they're part of a segregated church, but because they're part of a multicultural church that understands that we are all part of the same body.
And what would it look like if every member was viewed as valuable? What would it look like for a child to be considered as an equal member? What would it look like for a person, no matter their age or their experience or their race, to be considered as valuable? What would it look like for us to be grateful for our body? What would it look like for us to care for our body? What would it look like to make space for its needs? And so we're wondering over this. It's a question that the whole church is wondering over as we've kind of walked this path of like segregated churches and we, we look at that and we say, I don't think that this is the full embodiment of the church, but what does that look like? And so we're asking these questions. I want to end with a quote from Wendell Berry. It's really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> from a book that Jason recommended. Imagine that. Yeah. You know, we have to start working Wendell Berry and like we do the Enneagram. You know. <laughs> All right. Here it is. Here it is. The path towards wholeness depends on our discovery and acknowledgement of, and then response to, a greater goodness that contextualizes us. Our fundamental mistake is that we have presumed to be the authors of ourselves and our destinies, and thus have forgotten or denied that we are part of a great co-authorship in which we are all collaborating with God and with nature in the making of ourselves and one another. We can only become what we truly are by acknowledging that what we do Wait, let me stop. Let me stop. That last sentence is really good. I just messed it up. We can only become what we truly are by acknowledging that we do not exist by, from, or for ourselves. So, does anyone have any questions before we move on to something else? I just want to open the floor from my little segment here about embodiment. If anyone has any questions or thoughts, or anything, family meeting style, so you can just pop up with what you have. Um, why did everyone laugh when Kelsey said Wendell Berry? <laughs> <laughs> you'll you'll want to see Jason after all. <laughs> the same reason that they laughed. The same reason that they laughed when someone mentioned Moana. Because they just they know. <laughs> we'll talk. Chelsea's favorite movie is Moana.
something, for something to be fully embodied is to be like a full expression of it. So when we say, what does it look like for the church to be fully embodied? Well, that would be a full expression of the entire body of Christ, right? Which would be everyone, everywhere, every culture, every place. We can't see the full embodiment, but we can lean into that. So who we have here in this room, in this neighborhood, how do we embody this group of people? So that church doesn't just like the church, we are the church, but it doesn't look like me, right? It looks like all of us. What does that look like? That's what we're talking about. Any other comments, observations, questions? What does that look like going forward? It's a good question. I, if there's ideas already out there, I guess there's a question. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone want to answer that? <laughs> um, you know? What does that look like moving forward? I think um, the way I would answer that is that we continue to take steps towards leaning into it. The same way that we take steps towards leaning into the kingdom of heaven breaking in, we walk our neighborhood and we start to ask questions of where do we see God? And so in the same way, we continue to build our relationships within this room and within this neighborhood, within this zip code, this community, and we continue to ask what does it look like for us to be an embodiment of these people? So not to uh, drag it on, but you know I do think it is yeah this is a great conversation and it's and it's about and it's not just and it, it is but it's not just about what languages we speak here you know Chelsea talked about heart language I think that's important uh, you know and it's like I I love the image of our potluck right out there you know like we got all sorts of stuff going on how many people like was like what's polenta. You know what I'm saying? Like, like 16 of us, you know? Uh, and so there's so much diversity even represented in our food, like when we potluck together. And I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing and that, that, the, that our diversity, and it's not just about like who we are, what we look like, but it's, uh, it's also about that we're willing to be, someone was talking about vulnerability, that we're willing to bring our true selves Right, and all of our and all of our mess messiness, you know, and that that uh, that becomes also full embodiment, you know, mm-hmm. that that is kind of like where we are where we are wrong, we come together and, and we are right. But if that makes any sense, but yeah. What does it mean to be embodied as more and more? people move in that maybe this neighborhood does not represent a history or like moving in to be close to other members of Paleo or it doesn't represent family but it you know maybe represents proximity to a highway or maybe represents proximity to like the bicycle freeway too. I mean what does it mean to be embodied maybe Yeah, that's a really good question. Restrict your membership. The funny thing about loving your neighbor is that you don't get to fix who your neighbor is. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yep. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I had nothing. But I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> 
questions. And, and that's exactly right. I mean, we, we love our neighbor no matter, but, um, but these are really good questions. I think that this is, this is our work. Like, this is our work. And um, I, I want to, like, I hope that we will be having these conversations together and wrestling with these things together and asking these um, in groups and as you walk through life and as you meet um, with one another and, and share them and share them with, uh, with all of us, you know, so that as we continue to kind of fumbly take steps forward, um, that we are in fact taking steps forward, that we are, you know, leaning into this because this is important. This is really important. So, all right. I think our time is up, but I'm, uh, I'm also not sure who I'm handing the mic to. Is it you? Okay. And Deirdre! So most churches have a congregation of others known as children, and that's what I'm going to talk about. Um, in some churches, children are shuffled off out of sight. They're brought back when they can perform something cute. They are entertainers, and then they are entertained, and then they are filled with facts that those, whoever might be teaching them, want them to learn and to be able to recite. That's not how Phileo works with children. Um, which I'm so glad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm going to talk about kind of our curriculum with three or four to like 12 year olds. And then I'm going to talk about just like briefly some practices just to remind everybody. And then if you want to ask questions, you can. Uh, but you may not have any, that's okay too. So, um, so in case you don't know, Phileo views our children as full participating members, and this is very different from other churches. Um, so just as somebody who is taller and has a college education is a full member and can fully participate in, our, in the body of Christ, so can young, small, shorter children. Um, we don't see children as beings that are empty and need to be filled up but we see them as spiritual beings having a spiritual experience. Um, and we seek to help them make sense of that experience. And one way that we do that, which I'm very passionate about, is called Godly Play. Um, so Godly Play is our children's curriculum, and it is a Montessori-style religious education. Um, that gives children the language they need to make sense of their spiritual experiences and their existential limits. Those might sound like really big words when we're talking about um, four to 12 year olds, but yes, even as a toddler, you think about death and meaning and being alone in the midst of a community. Um, so Imagine, you know, having all these experiences but not being able to vocalize them because you don't really know. Godly Play seeks to give children a language um, for that. Um, Godly Play is not a watered-down version of Christianity. 
Um, we don't ask yes or no or right or wrong questions in godly play. We wonder. And through that, they, um, well, one, we're really trusting the Holy Spirit to do good work in them. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, anyway, that's another story. But I'll try to stick to my notes because I could talk about this for a long, long, long time. Um, yes, so each type of story, there are four types of stories that we use in godly play. Um, we actually follow the church calendar. So what you hear in a sermon on a Sunday morning is also what the children are hearing, just in a different form. So if you are a parent or somebody who is around a child who's in godly play, I would really encourage you to ask them about what they have been doing in godly play. Um, that is kind of your chance as a parent to do a little more further spiritual guidance if you want to. Um, if you're not sure what the stories are, you can ask me and I'll give them to you. Um, so the wondering questions aid children in thinking about their identity in Christ. They are learning from a very young age that their story is part of a greater story that started a really long time ago with people in a different country, with people who do not look like them, with people who speak a different language than them. Um, and so they're learning where they fit in um, in that greater story of our Christian faith. Um, oh, they're also learning through the Wondering Questions how to make sense of life beyond our cultural boundaries. Um, and they don't really know any of this is happening. <laughs> they'll know it when they're older, and I hope they'll be thankful for it. Um, so does anybody, I know that was kind of maybe random and a lot of different information, <laughs> um, but does anybody have any questions on Godly Play specifically? Or a lot of you are familiar with it. Okay. No, just raise your hand. Yes. Uh, with the group that you've had this year, how do you feel like uh, their wondering has been going? I think that it is, I think, well. <laughs> I think, because you never really know when you're teaching somebody a language or how to make sense of experiences that they might have, um, you never really know what's going on on the inside. So perhaps at times it's hard to decipher if something is happening at all. But I think we need to believe and trust that things are happening and children will speak in, I guess the metaphor is the closest word. It's kind of like, this is really about that type of thing. So you have to learn to listen and to not try to rush somebody who is wondering. But it can be really profound, really encouraging <coughs> as a storyteller. Yeah. Where do you get the materials for Godly Play? So Godly Play is a curriculum that was written in the 70s and implemented in the 70s and the 80s um, by a couple, their last name is Berryman. Um, he was a student at Princeton Theological Seminary and noticed that none of his <coughs> studies centered around the spirituality of children. 
sorry, children. So he just started asking a lot of questions and he worked with children primarily and so just through his experience and then this through he also studied um, Maria Montessori, which is the founder of Montessori style education, <coughs> child-based education, um, kind of looking at things through its child lens. Um, so he and his wife wrote all of it. Um, it is not a Nazarene-specific curriculum, so lots of different denominations use this. And play and wondering are really the focus, which are two things that children do very, very well and naturally. And so it's kind of conducive to their learning styles at the ages where Godly Play is appropriate. But there are books in the Godly Playroom if you want to look through them. Godly Play is awesome for older people <coughs> as well. It can kind of get you thinking about things in a perspective that you haven't before, even if you've heard the same story a hundred times. It kind of helps you. You've joked half seriously about starting an adult Godly Play life group. Yeah. That's ours. Is that what you know? <laughs> it, it would be effective. Um, okay, so if you have a child who you're bringing to Godly Play, you would do an awesome on getting them here on time. And that is super important because children take longer to react or to adjust to their environment, to changes in their environment. And we really have like 20 minutes, 25 minutes at most to tell a story, to get settled, tell a story, and do wondering, which is like really fast. So thank you for getting your children here on time. That is a really big, big help. And it's, you know, good for them. Good for, better for the kids. It respects the children's time and their programming as well. Um, if you don't have a child in Godly Play, but you have a child, one of the children who are in Godly Play might remind you that if you have not heard a story, you are not allowed to play with it. So they're not being mean or rude, but that is part of the curriculum. You cannot fully experience the story or know how to work with the material unless you have heard it. So they can tell it to you, and then you can look at it or play with it or whatever. Um, but just keep in mind that not unlike, you know, say you have a special room in your house that you want to treat it a certain way. That's kind of their special space. So when you're in there, just respect it. Be mindful that it is their space that they call their own that they are very proud of. And they feel safe there, so we don't want to violate any safety and trust that they have built in that, in that room. Um, okay, children in the service. This is my last thing. So we are teaching our children how to be part of a larger community of believers. Obviously, Kaleo looks different than a lot of other church setups. Our children aren't confined by pews or um, a lot happening in the front of the room to keep their attention. So if you see a child who might need extra help in the service, i.e. they are being really loud and distracting those around them, keep in mind that we as adults have the luxury of checking out mentally and letting our minds wander and children don't they do that physically and all they need is a kind and gentle person to help bring them back to what's <laughs> happening so feel free to do that if you feel comfortable with children 
and if a child knows you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, it might be scary for them, something for them to deconstruct from their, from their 20s. Um, so I would just, I know that, I would just encourage you to do that, to be that person who can help them learn. What we're doing is, you know, like they don't know all the words that are set up here. Sometimes they can't see the face that is speaking. So if someone's not looking right at me, are they still talking to me? Do I have to pay attention? Can I run back and forth? Can I, whatever, you know. Thankfully our children feel really comfortable in this house and that is totally a blessing and what we want for everybody to feel. But it also, when kids feel comfortable, they also, um, yeah, yeah, relax, very relax. So in, in the spirit of being one body and helping each other along, feel free to help a child along too. It might help you also. So that's all I have. I'm not sure.
right, last call. Anybody need a handout? Whoa, 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 where's the pie graph? So Ryan and I are going to talk a little about our finances, and then Emily's going to, we're going to segue, she's going to talk a little about it in a second as well. did want to make you guys aware, if you didn't know, that Clay does have a finance committee. It's composed of myself, Ryan, who's our treasurer, Emily, Josh, and Melanie, who's not here tonight. So we do meet regularly, um, probably six, seven times last year, and we go over our numbers. We look at exactly what did we spend, how we spent it. And then we look each year, our budget year and our church calendar year kind of runs a little strangely. It's from March 1 through the end of February each year. So we just got finished with a financial year, a church year. And so especially during those times, we're re-looking at our budgets. We're seeing what went well, what could be improved on, just reassessing everything. Ryan's going to talk a little bit more specific about some of that and then pass it back over here. And we'll kind of go back and forth uh, telling some different things about our all right. So, um, so one thing that we often do during the family meeting is talk about like shifts, you know, and we haven't done that so much this time for second time. And many of you all have heard that. Um, but uh, the way we spend our money is definitely one of the shifts that we, we value. Um, and uh, one of the most obvious ways is that we, uh, a lot of churches, um, their finances are very much tied up in administrative things, things like building costs things like uh, personnel costs, um, and, uh, and Kaleo, from the beginning, has, has kind of made it its effort uh, to make sure that much of what comes in uh, serves the needs of those outside, not only of those inside the church, but those outside the church as well, um, and, uh, and so you, uh, as Having been a part of Clay, you've, you've most certainly heard the, uh, the reference to the you know, passageway that we say that we, we like to see um, how the kingdom of God uh, breaks into our lives, our city, and our world. Um, and uh, the way our finances and how we break those out has kind of evolved um, to be representative of those uh, ways in which we would like to see you know, the kingdom of God break in. And so you're, I'm not going to uh, speak to numbers so much because you can read those and that would be boring. Um, but uh, you can see the headings there um, where you can see that uh, fairly equal portions um, are uh, being dedicated and, and are representative of those, um, those needs that we see in, in the way that we would like to see the kingdom of God impact. Uh, the world around us, so you can see um, that in the, the headlines. So, so there are certain pieces to our budget. Being a part of the Nazarene denomination, that we do have to allocate each year. Those total about fourteen percent. We break those down into different categories. You can look at it here, but we do look at each of these percentage categories. And it's, again, it's a very unique thing for a church to base your budget on percentages. And so last year, um, we, we had certain things. We've tweaked it a little bit this year, but we've made um, probably our biggest change in the budget is um, we did change officially starting March 1 to pastoral giving. Um, used to be kind of a set amount, very, very low amount. 
but now we've totally shifted it to the percentage-based giving as you see here. And so um, everything now is really uh, percentage-based giving until maybe we get a building of some sort in the future or have more expenses that we may or may not have to have a set amount. But as of right now, everything is percentage-based. It provides some great challenges and some great benefits as well. We know we'll always pay our budgets for one because it's just based on what we receive. But I want to highlight one really cool thing that we did last year, a part of this, and then maybe Ryan has another story to share as well. But last year, we, in, we um, a part of our world impact, which is the very top portion, we decided to do, almost, and it was almost a whole year-long project with Charity Water. And we were able to, if you were here at Kaleo during that time and you saw our cutouts of people, I think Chelsea helped put those out, over 100 people we were able to provide clean water for. Not just one time, not just you go down somewhere and you get it one time like for good. Like these are over 100 people we have truly been able to impact. We'll never get to meet these people probably, but they are drinking clean water today because of a small little community here, Leo, because we gave faithfully toward that. I think that's incredible. I really do. So it's just one little piece. Sometimes, you know, the world impact, it's, you know, sometimes we don't get a sense of that sometimes, but I'm really glad we chose to do kind of that year-long project to make that, that real impact others lives. I don't know if you want to share anything more or open up your questions. Um, so uh, being a part of Cleo, you guys get to kind of experience, you know, how um, perhaps our uh, finances kind of serve this body here. Um, you know, uh, a huge uh, portion of our inward focus uh, finances goes towards food. So if you've ever <laughs> shared a meal that wasn't a potluck, um, you know, uh, that that uh, represents a, a significant portion of that of that budget, and with a growing population, you know that that you know uh, cost will also continue to grow, and so we, we look to the body to kind of be faithful in uh, in satisfying uh, that financial need, um, and uh, but to kind of comment on you know some of the other cool things uh, that are that are outward. Um, you know, uh, if you've uh, been to Humphrey Street Coffee and uh, had one of their awesome, uh, you know, lattes, what have you, um, that is run by uh, kind of a greater organization called Harvest Hands, and that is one of our primary uh, local partners. Um, and so that uh, that city impact that you see um, uh, of thirteen hundred and forty-four dollars is is uh, we is a way that we've been able to financially contribute towards their organization and them serving, you know, inner city kids in the in the mentorship and uh, the way that they do. And so, um, yeah, uh, it, I, as an organization, we just hope to not only, you know, be introspective, but also, uh, you know, be, be thinking of what, what are those outside of us that are doing great things that, that we can support and We want to open it up for questions for you guys. Anything you have um, before Emily comes up? Any specific questions? Uh, SG and SP. So that that stands for uh, special giving, and so what that what that is, or uh, that's the SG. Uh, so that is anytime someone has given a financial gift with a special alloc allocation that they would like to see it go towards. 
Um, an example is that we you know, frequent, frequently receive uh, donorship towards um, our room and win activity. Um, and so that, that gift, you know, because it's allocated, rather than getting dumped in the, the bucket that gets broken down as a percentage, it goes specifically to the requested. Uh, what was the other? SP. Uh, oh, SP is SG. Oh, typo. Okay. Oh, gotcha. um, FY is fiscal year. <laughs> That's another uh, you know abbreviation I see there. Um, and uh, to kind of uh, so obviously you guys are just getting this and kind of glancing over it. But um, to kind of uh, well anyway yeah if there's any other questions we can answer. started Kaleo like a long time ago um, one of the things that we noticed is was that so many churches like 80 to 90 percent of their budgets went to salaries and to mortgages or some sort of building utility expense and so we had a strong conviction that um, the church's money should go to work for the mission of God in the world. And um, so that's part of the reason. We have paid rent at some places. We don't currently pay rent here. Many of you have asked if this is our house, and no, this is Ryan and Deirdre's house, and they offer it to us as a gift. Um, but uh, I would say that um, it definitely started out that way, and there definitely is a strong value to maintaining the ability to actually do ministry and not just be. Uh, there's also a dynamic where I feel more empowered as a pastor to ask you all to do the things that I think the church is being asked to do um, in the world because I'm not an employee of you. Um, so there's a bit of uh, prophetic freedom in recognizing my livelihood will not be taken away because I say some, something controversial, as is the case or can be the case in church churches and church politics. Um, so there's there's several dynamics I would say that have played into that. Uh, the pastoral giving that exists um, was started to help pay for. Um, medical insurance that we working bivocationally didn't have access to um, because you would have to have a full-time job to have access to that. Um, at this point, I think that uh, we want to see how this can work well, but we're also, I mean, our entire income from last year was $36,155. So that's not going to pay a salary for anyone. 
Um, so we recognize that uh, some of the older people in this room uh, may have graduated in 2008. We recognize our age plays a role in how uh, much money we receive. So there's a lot of factors, I would say, that started and then continue to make um, yeah, pastoral giving a difficult one to wrestle with. Does that answer your question? Okay. So, so a comment that I will make as not a pastor um, is that um, I, I, you know what what you heard was a very kind of modest and humble way of of you know saying how how. What our what our pastors do um, for this congregation for this community is a gift. You know, it's not something that they're compensated for. Not that you even could compensate it monetarily, because it is you know greater than that. But um, and and so uh, and it's also not so much a choice from uh, the church to not support our pastors, um, but one that recognizes that the need is great. Um, and so I would encourage you uh, to think about the ways uh, that, that you might reciprocate uh, the gift of your pastors, um, whether that, that looks like. So historically, there have been special, special gifts, knowing that we have this percentage uh, base uh, framework that we work out, off of, um, and knowing that when money comes in, it kind of gets allocated out in this way. Um, you know, I would encourage everyone to kind of be prayerful. If you feel so moved as to say, you know, hey, I would like to reciprocate some of the gift that our pastors bestow upon us, you know, if you were to allocate a gift and say, hey, I, I would really like this to serve that need, I think that would be appropriate. But beyond even moni monetary, um, one of the things that it has changed uh, in Kaleo uh, when we started as Kaleo um, you know, Caleb and Emily, you know, and this was pre-Kevin and, and Chelsea, Caleb and Emily were two newlyweds, um, and so uh, their uh, living expenses and the way their family dynamic worked was very differently. So for two single, or not single, they were married, <laughs> for two, for a married couple to come into the scene with, uh, as bi bivocational pastors that weren't also parents, um, that was a much easier task, and no doubt that task has gotten more difficult. And so, but we continue to perform that way. Um, but so, one one obvious way, you know, is you know, uh, you know, even just watching kids for, you know, a day, you know, just thinking creative of, you know, how how might we we reciprocate the gift that our that our pastors bestow upon us on a on a daily uh, basis. Um, because of the value system that we have here. So, anyway, I'll stop there. You're asking good questions, Trey. Yeah, good questions over here, too. Yeah. Who else? Does anybody else have another question? We won't belabor this too long, but these are important topics for sure. Okay.
Kaleo is that uh, everyone here has like adaptability in their top five strengths. So yeah, everyone does, right? So uh, actually, a lot of people do. We did Strengths Finder. Everyone did Strengths Finder. Like what, like three years ago, and adaptability was our number one strength. And um, yeah, so what is really cool about that is that as we learn and grow and develop, we also learn what we're not doing well, and then we change that. And you all are great because you just adapt to those changes for the most part. You can also like kill something, but for the most part, you adapt to the changes. And uh, that's awesome. So one of the things that we have been recognizing as of late uh, is that in an effort to uh, not make church about money, we have hardly talked about money at all. Um, and I think that now, we're recognizing this, and we have decided that we want to change. Uh, so um, giving is a spiritual practice, and we have emphasized many spiritual practices over the years, silence and Sabbath and confession, and yet we have never really gotten to giving. Um, in fact, giving doesn't even have a place in our communal worship together. And so um, money had been for many years sort of this neglected uh, thing because we could live and exist pretty easily without too much of an insistence on people giving. Like we said, we didn't have salaries, we didn't have uh, buildings to pay for, um, and so we just took whatever people gave us and we said, what do we wanna do with it? Let's give 50% of it away, which by the way, we still pretty much do um, through community events and world impact and all of those things. Um, and we just did what we wanted. We created new ministry projects, we created the garden, we're like, that's a good use of money. Uh, we planned events, uh, we did all kinds of things with our money, it was really cool. Um, but now, it's been two years since the Arnett's, almost two years, a year and a half, since the Arnett's moved out of this house in order to create space for us. And we, I think everyone can admit we're kind of maxing out this space now, even though we gained about 40% more space when they moved out. Um, and so for two years, at least, you could say, we've had a space uh, problem. And um, as we look for a larger place to come together, and as the Arnett's look to move back into their home at some point, um, we are trying to think about the kind of community that we want to foster, uh, the kind of community church churches that we want to see, and 
that already exist in Kaleo. We have children who Deirdre talked about beautifully, who have um, special gifts and contributions, but also special needs. Uh, we just started a youth group. It's awesome. <laughs> students here tonight. That's Yay. awesome. And we recognize, as Chelsea talked about, that that is a part of full embodiment, and it is wonderful, and it's wonderful to engage you all in the contributions that you've made, whether you're uh, singing or washing dishes or working with the kids. We appreciate all of those contributions. They have been wonderful. Um, and there are things that we do in our community that show, I think, and reveal the kind of people that, a kind of community that God wants to create here. And so if we left this community, uh, if all of us moved away, I don't think that the primary thing that would be missed is the community potlucks or the fall festival. Um, because I think that we have integrated our lives and that, um, that we would be missed as a community, not just for the things that we do and try to engage with. Um, so it's not just the place, but it's the people and it's, it's also the places, the places across the world that have benefited from this community, like Kevin and, and Ryan talked about, um, the 100 people who have access to clean water and harvest hands and the great work they do in Napier um, with their after-school programs and also the gifts that we have of this regular meal together and so giving as a spiritual practice, I don't know why for so long we have divorced it from our others, but um, it is a spiritual practice. And letting go of, of what we could claim as ours to control is kind of like a practice of Sabbath or a practice of prayer. It's a releasing and it's, a, it's a, a movement of faith to say, God is my provider. And I release what I could claim control over to God as a gift. Um, and let me tell you, I have looked at this budget that you have in front of you. And I have turned it in every way. And the finance team has as well. And we have concluded, after all of this Rubik's cubing of the budget, that we don't have a spending problem at Kaleo. Uh, we have an income problem at Kaleo. And um, we as your leadership, you know, think that's partially our fault <laughs> because we haven't talked about it uh, at all and we haven't communicated what these things are and the lack
back when they have arise and we fail too often to share it. Um, we've failed to take giving to be the spiritual practice that it actually is. And so we want to change in that way. Um, and one of the things that we're working on right now that you can look for in the near future is that we are going to start talking about giving on our Sunday holiday services. We are going to, we're actually currently writing a liturgy of giving, and that's been a really cool thing to do. Um, and so we've been thinking about that and wondering how that can look. And so we are going to start to talk about it more. Um, and what we have decided as the finance team is that there is, you know how there is, you know there's a number associated with like whatever given city you live in that this is the amount of money that you need to like live in this city. You guys know that that's a thing. Okay, uh, we have determined the number that we need to bring in at Kaleo for us to live. This is just, this isn't extravagant. This isn't like, you know, we're gonna start wearing gold jewelry because we're all gonna buy it. Uh, you know, it's, it's not extravagant. It's not changing anything. It's just bringing in the amount that we actually need to function. And um, that number is $57,000. So for 2019-2020 fiscal year, the number that we need to bring in is $57,000. Now this is more than we've ever brought in, though not much more on some years, but we think that it is possible. So um, last month, uh, about 63 of you came every week on a Sunday morning. So if every person who came on a Sunday morning, on average, gave $1,000 in one year, about $83 a person, or if you have a family, multiply that. Um, that's all it would take. $83 a person a month. That would get us to 63 if everyone who came on average gave on average that amount. Um, now, this is not a substitute for tithing. I'm not saying this as like a new thing or anything. I'm just trying to help us conceptualize what this looks like. So ideally, you know, tithing 10% of your income um, is awesome. Um, but I just wanted you to give, to be able to think about it in a different way. Um, we've, you have the paper in front of you to show what all that goes towards. And so I'm sharing our need. This is our need. We need $57,000. Um, and I'm asking you all if we can find a way to share that need. Um, Does anyone have any questions? Can we consider a Kickstarter? <laughs> what are we Kickstarting? Financial stability. I have a lot of kids. 
to adopt your kids and you're giving. I don't know if they would go for it in the open market. Right. Yeah. Um, this is why I love my dad. How familiar are people are comfortable are like people here with uh, Tithely of the app? Because we found that very helpful, but I'm not sure everybody maybe knows how to use it. Or, I mean, if you have Tithely on your phone, raise your hand. That may have been an inappropriate. I don't know. Okay. Tithely, tithe.ly is an app that Kaleo uses for online giving. Um, if you enable lo the location while you're here, it should pop up Kaleo. You can give through the app. You can also schedule regular giving. Yeah. If you're not a person that remembers or like appreciates. Yeah. Automatic, automatic recurring. Yeah, recurring. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Vanessa. Absolutely. <laughs> that's the easiest question
Um, so we may bring them in and send them out, you know, more, uh, you know, they may not be all so integrated, but I, since we are all a part of Claire, I just wanted also to see if anyone had any questions about the practice or the way that that's operating along with this conversation about our financial needs. Just so you guys know, too, on the finance side, the practice is a ministry of Kaleo, but it's not being, like, there's no money coming out of the Kaleo budget yes. to fund the practice. The practice has an account that is under Kaleo's nonprofit status, but it's a separate account that doesn't interact with our main account at all. No questions? Oh yeah, go ahead. It's not really about the practice. Okay, go ahead. That's fine. So, um, I haven't thought about how to word this. What do you see as like the future of the impact portion of Kaleo? I know it used to be more of like. Oh, that's a good question. And I know as we've grown, like the impact kind of becomes the dishes that we do. I'm just curious. We're we're actively working on bringing it back. Okay. (laughs) We have lots of ideas. But yeah, we uh, for a time it has been sort of just managing what we need to manage. But we are actively looking into bringing it back. Which, speaking of, David, you want to give us like a 20 second spiel on what's going to be happening in the garden? Yeah, come on! Um, no, so <laughs> I, uh, I stand here happily as a, a person who will be in the garden on a regular basis. Um, but I also am entirely open to what you guys want, suggestions, desires, uh, plants that you like. Um, I'm here to facilitate. Ideas will kind of like funnel into my brain um, as, as kind of a hub. But I also am very happy, like the, the ideal is of a community garden is not for it to be me in a garden, in a community. Um, <laughs> it would be of a size to be managed by me, so things aren't going to go crazy. But if you guys want to jump in, like once, that's fine. Um, we'll plant things. She's It'll be after. Can I ask you a question? When will you be in the garden? Sometimes. Um, no, after church, uh, Sundays, I'll be hanging out. Um, yeah, after, after church on Sundays, uh, the cleaning will commence, and I will put not clean clothes on, and I will disappear across the street. Um, and we'll have, you know, like a little monthly thing, but we're, we're planning it out. But yes, if you want to garden, bring some uh, some shoes and get dirty, and uh, come on out. When does it start? Two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> There's one opportunity to get out of the house so that people can clean up and go to the garden. Okay, Caleb, come on up. Save your questions for the end. Woo! Oh, my gosh. Whoa. Yeah. So this has been kind of heavy. Like, I know we do this, like, once a year, so we've got to cover some ground. But, man, they're not all this heavy. This is kind of like, whoo. Man, kids are probably passing out in the backyard. This is your first time here. This is kind of like... Word. So, I do want to say, uh, you know, most churches uh, do, uh, you know, you don't hear about the numbers at all. And so, it is important that we, we try to be transparent. 
and it's not something we're tucking away, but I appreciate you guys talk, talking about all that. Uh, and so I just wanted to announce, we're going to talk about space just for a second, and then uh, this is the last thing. So I just wanted to announce that we're going to, we're actually purchasing a building in East Nashville, <laughs> and we're really excited about that, and joining us, no, I was totally, you guys are like, what's going on? churches and local businesses and people about what could it look like for us to partner spatially uh so that magic door has not yet opened uh but we're we're gonna knock it down or kick it down or, or something so um uh but it is a very tricky conversation because for us specifically uh, i know um uh proximity is very important so there's a little bit of criteria proximity is important i know uh you guys you know team use close but uh, you know, everyone else also lives within about a mile or two just from here. So proximity uh, is very important for us. Just in general, we're kind of, in, uh, uh, you know, located in an area. Um, square footage is obviously a thing. You know, we, we need – this is just sort of like, uh, again, sort of like to have enough. <laughs> uh, just like uh, non-negotiables. We need space for kids, for, for youth. Uh, we need a, a, a food is a huge part of our – uh, liturgy and our worship and what we do and so we need we need like a full-size kitchen uh, and so uh, and these are just bare bones these aren't, aren't even like the dreams like we've got a whole other list of like dream space you know like in-ground pool and <laughs> you know there's a whole other list for the dreams uh, and yeah baptismal heated salt water baptismal uh, and so there's just a lot of So there's a lot of criteria stuff, and so, and obviously this is related to money. Um, uh, Nashville is uh, Nashville is cheap, so you guys know that. So we're gonna get back to that. But uh, it does present a problem 
uh, you know, just for frame of reference, now this is the on the large side, there's a lot of warehouses. Ryan's dream is for us to meet in a warehouse. This has always been Ryan's dream. And uh, anyway, he, he's looked, did she just say this question? Yes. I love Ronnie because he's so like, I'm going to ask this question. Uh, but Ryan looked up the, the leasing uh, numbers for this, this warehouse on Lyle and they wanted $10,800 a month. Uh, and so now that's on the extreme end, but uh, just think, like just just think. And so, uh, so that's why we've leaned heavy into looking for partnerships with local businesses and local churches and other places. Uh, so, if you know a little bit about our story, we began meeting in a bar downtown called the Listening Room Cafe. It used to be in Cumming Station. We met there. Uh, then we moved, I think, from there to. Uh, maybe Flat Rock Cafe, which was a, a coffee shop. It was very small. Uh, and then uh, then we moved to a community center, uh, Coleman Community Center. We met there. And then we were like, you know what? This is crazy. Let's buy picnic tables. And so we bought picnic tables and started meeting out here. And then eventually worked our way in here. And here, here we are. Uh, and so, oh, and we were at the Smith's house for a hot minute uh, after Asa was born. And, uh, and we met, uh, at one point we met at the Davises. We split. We were two congregations for just a, for just a minute. And, and we also a couple times met on the back porch of the Ferguson's house. Uh, so, uh, but generally... Generally, that's where we're at. So, yeah, yeah, we've been in everyone's house basically, uh, and so, um, so I know that that many of you guys, uh, I know many of you guys love meeting here. I love meeting here. Uh, I can't tell you how many people come up to me and say. I just love this environment and the space of worship. And my, my favorite thing is, is everyone comes and tells me how homey it feels. And, and, and I always say it's a home. And, and it's so good. Uh, and it does feel homey. And so uh, what it, the difficult thing is what whatever the new space does look like, uh, it's... It will not be this space, uh, and so there's a little bit of there's a little bit of sadness there. There's a little bit of uh, you know you lose something to gain something, and uh, and so uh, and that's when we remember that we aren't identified by this uh, by our spatialness, uh, right? That's not our identity, right? We're identified by who we are, right? Uh, and so let the children cry out. Uh, and so, yeah, change change is tricky, and like Emily said, we do have to give the house back to the Arnets. And uh, and just to let you guys a little further in, uh, we well, our plan is to be out of here, Lord willing, and creek don't rise, if not before uh, August. Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> Our plan is to be out of this house, if not before, by August. Uh, and so, um, we, we... No eviction. No eviction has been served. But I just want to be real with you guys. Uh, like, um, yeah, and we, 
Yeah, we've, we've had 75 people in. Like, I was looking at you guys in the garden earlier today, and I was like, we normally fit in that room in there, you know? And uh, it's like a magic trick. Uh, and so, um, yeah. So historically, we are people who have tabernacled. Uh, so what does it mean then? So, poor honey, she's losing her mind. Okay, uh, final, I want to hear final questions on space real quick, and what your questions are there, and then we can do a bigger, what are your last questions? Do we have any leaves uh, for an August 1st eviction? Uh, no. Next. We do. We do. I mean, we got, we got ideas. We got things, we got things we're working on, but like, there's not, like, we don't put no There's leaves, I guess, leaves. Our, our, uh, um, <laughs> Just had was like, you know, 
cues and a very rigid, you know, kind of environment. That, yeah. So, uh, we've actually, one of the churches we talked about, we were looking at their fellowship hall versus their actual sanctuary. And that really is the short. That really is the short answer uh, of a greater, uh, greater conversation. Is uh, well, we've always just been Christians who live in a neighborhood, right? Regardless of where our communal gathering happens, and that's and that's what we do have to remember and keep in mind is that. Uh, so uh, half of this room lives in Raymond Heights, uh, like a couple miles from here. Uh, you know. Um, uh, 15, 10 minute bike ride, you know, and so uh, all, already many of us are neighboring people physically not there, not there, um, and so uh, there, there is going to be this sort of like web of, continual web of different neighbors, so, or in, uh, what's your neighborhood called? Jason said the whole youth group lives in Chestnut the whole, the whole youth group lives in Chestnut Hill, so... Yeah, and not everyone even lives here. Some people are in Paragon Mills, uh, you know, and, and other places. Or in over by East Thompson Yeah, yeah whatever that neighborhood is called. So we're not all, like, right here. So. It's all like a... Yeah. When you map it, it's like, it's yeah. all within... Yeah. Yeah. Other questions? Is that what the 57 mark is about? No. <laughs> no, it's no. not. It doesn't touch. But it, it does. It does add to. It does. So we've been to have a, a minimum amount for yeah. rental. Yeah. So let's say we hit fifty-seven thousand. We could use the money in our building expense, which we've been steadily trying to raise the percentage of. So we're at uh, seven and a half percent now. It was like one percent last year. So. But that's like 400 bucks a month. Yeah, it's not enough, but um, if you're, uh, if we're contributing to the community of a church building in another way, or if we have the practice paying rent, it becomes something more doable. So it is not a rent expense now. So the 57, what is that then? So even, I'll speak to that. So a part of the 57 is just, trying to fit in a rent. It's not a full rent. It's not $13,000 a, a month or something crazy like that. But the reason, one of the reasons to up it to that is to say yes, we need to come up with some dollar amount to start adding. That's why we now have 7.5% and 7.5 and out of 57 is not a lot, but it's somewhere, whereas two years ago we had nothing and we're going to have to start. We, and so that's one of the reasons. So it, it is a part of it. Just not a robust amount
we want to be adaptive, you know, and, and determine, you know, what will we have to do, but we're not approaching the searching for a space from a perspective of, oh, you mean, you know, warehouses are going for, ten, or spaces are going from three to five to $10,000 a month. I guess that's what we'll have to spend in order to be in a space. We're approaching our search for space um, from uh, a perspective and hope that creativity will will find will establish a solution not unlike this space. You know, this space exists because we kind of got creative and we, we have a garden that is a railroad easement. You know, that, that piece of dirt exists because it can't be built on because the railroad, you know, and so spaces like that exist. It's a matter of kind of finding them and collaborating them. And, you know, the I think the cons you know, one of the concerns that you have about a church building is the inefficiency of a space that it, that you spend three, four, five, ten thousand dollars a month, and it exists for a day out of the week. And so, we if we do end up having to rent a space, then we then are have to, have to take on the responsibility of what other purpose does that space fill the rest of the week? That one is a gift to the community, but two, maybe that's what helps pay for the space because you've got this other function, be it the practice or be it a counseling, or be it, you know, someone in this room's office, <laughs> you know, I, you know, and so we're not approaching the, the the search for the building from a perspective of how much do we need to spend because we don't, we don't know what the space is. So we're kind of approaching in hopes <laughs> that something creative presents itself and then we'll have to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, we'll still be active in the garden. I mean, a lot of people still live in this neighborhood. We're all still, we have community events there, um, May, June, July, August. Uh, we have a big fall fest in October. None of that's going away. Uh, we're just, uh, you know, uh, as a communal worship Sunday space, we've, we've you know, we've, we've kind of paid our dues here and, and need to give Brian Beard their hats back and all that stuff. And so, um, so, but we're not leaving the neighborhood by any means. I mean, if anything, we're going to be more fully abiding the neighborhood, hopefully. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm not sure we'll still be around here on like Wednesday nights and stuff like that or anytime. Other questions about that or any other thing that we've talked about? We're trying to land a plane. Um, hey, Caleb. Um, what about integrating? Giving into the worship service. Yeah, uh, that, it, that is one thing we're doing. Uh, we're gonna uh, maybe maybe as maybe as early as this Sunday or next Sunday, uh, you'll hear a new giving liturgy, uh, and we're gonna get we're gonna get gold plates <laughs> with with felt on the bottom and. But no, but there there will be uh, there will be some call and response and action just to uh, you know again and one of the reasons we don't like to bring up money a lot of times is because of like you know shame and it's like uh, you know I feel bad if I don't put something in but it's not about that it's just about our collective community you know this is this is part of our worship and so uh, yeah there'll be some sort of liturgy piece there. Can we add usher to the volunteer? Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Take so money, kids. We recognize the talent of the children to raise money. Yeah. Oh, honestly. Yes. Whether or not it's using yes. it or not. Jason, what's your other question? Hey, so also, I, I just feel it's kind of getting tight in here on Sundays, and I was wondering if we're looking for more space. <laughs> That's something that we're thinking about. Any, any other questions about anything we've talked about? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so what if we can't move out by August? We will. <laughs> like for sure. Then. Well, I mean, that's generally the plan. Ask and you shall receive and stuff like that. Chelsea, what you got? All right, I got two things. Um, first off, thank you for being here, but we're not done. Second, we're um, to end our time tonight, we're going to do two things. I'm going to tell you the last one first. Okay, the last thing we'll do before we end 
is we will take our family photo, which is one of my favorite things because it's this beautiful time stamp and I just love it. So we will do that when um, at the very last so that the kids will join us and they'll all be in it as well. So that's how we will conclude. And then we will um, do our work that we chime into with cleaning up. Um, but before we do that, um, one of the important practices of community is gratitude. And so um, we have time for three. If three of you would like to speak um, some kind of gratitude about this community, this group of people, um, then we have, we have time for three of you to, to do that. But I think that would be a great practice, and um, I want to give space for that before we depart. So we'll just do it popcorn from your seat style, because I think that will be easiest. And so if you feel led, just speak loudly. Uh, okay. I'm not in the seat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, so I ask a lot of questions. Uh, for one, because as someone who first started coming and I was like, hmm, I'm really skeptical about this cult. Uh, I'm going to take over one. And I'm saying this to say that like, uh, I wanted to be shown how transparent this group is and the leadership team. And it needs to be shown that they not only care, but they believe in what they're doing. Um, and so if you're a new person and you're like, what are they doing? I don't want to raise my hand. I'm going to ask the dumb questions so you don't feel that way. And I just think um, if you have any doubts about it, go and talk to one of them. Uh, they will be willing to sit you down. They love to take you out to coffee and like explain all of their theology on whatever they're doing. Um, so lock off at least four or five hours. Um, but seriously, like, there's not any like lacking of uh, wanting to know more and have you involved. So, uh, yeah, I just want to say I appreciate that. Um, Ryan and Deirdre, I can't believe you're finally coming back into this house. I honestly, I, I felt like, I was going to say we like termites, like we were first in the garden and we just kind of slowly worked our way to your house. <laughs> so I'm glad you're getting it back. Um, it's going to be something that's going to come up and it'll never work out. So, yeah, so thank you to all of those in leadership and their own teams and whatnot. So, yeah. I'm going to take the sound of my life. <laughs> family picture. Family family. Oh, no.
so ready to get a big old piece of bread. <laughs> um, I'm just reminded of like what it really means for us to be a part of the body of Christ, and um, that kind of hunger for grace that we're looking for. Like they're just like yes, they're perfect object lessons every week, but also they're they're examples of faith, and I'm so thankful for the way that. burning hearts. Is everyone okay? Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, we're going to take a family photo along this wall. So we typically have some people